see, we're we working on his brow chakra. We're just in back at the crown chakra. Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise podcast. My name is Jim G Baby, and I'm joined by the the usual suspect, Steve. <laughs> you Good to see you, one? Jim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to come up with like a fun nickname, and that one just po- it just rolled right off the tongue, and it, it's a little inside baseball between you and I without exposing. I, I, I don't look really like Kevin Spacey. Like. <laughs> Yeah, you do. <laughs> you look like pro with a beard. Um, oh God! Ooh, maybe we'll cover K-Pax one day. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> spoiler alert: I've never actually seen that movie. I've only seen like snippets of it, like when he's you're, eating. eating you're missing nothing. I already know you're gonna say the part where he eats a banana with the peel on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, we are we are on episode five now. So I I wanted to run back a little bit and uh, say if this is your first time listening to the show, um, we're kind of a, a variety show here. It started out uh, we wanted I wanted to review films because I'm a big movie buff, and then my my co-host Steve here has by his own admission only seen like twelve films only slightly exaggerating. Um, so I thought it'd be fun premise to like make him watch a bunch of shit. Cause he hasn't seen it. I'm always telling him, have you seen this? Have you seen this? He's never seen it. So what better opportunity? So, but then I got to thinking, you know, what if I don't want to have to start a whole separate podcast if we want to talk about some other shit. So, uh, he's a big fan of like true crime stuff as am I. And I kind of bend probably to the, more to like the high strangeness conspiratorial supernatural so i figured you know growing up unsolved mysteries was like one of my favorite shows and i love movies so why don't we just go halves on a bastard and try to put together a show where we get to bounce around and not not just be talking about one thing so that's what waxing the porpoise is that's what this show is so we kind of bounce uh between topics uh at random uh, at the end of the show we'll figure out what we're talking about next so if this is your first time that's that's what we're all about um i know we're pretty new at this so we just kind of just dive straight into what we're talking about but um yeah check out our earlier episodes to try and get a feel we i think it's not an equal mix we've only done one like unexplained kind of case uh so far with jason simpson but now we're leading into uh Today's topic, this episode, we're going to be discussing uh, Johnny Depp and his ownership of the Viper Room. There's a lot that is involved with that that we're going to be digging into today. And it kind of sucks because I know people are going to be like, you know, you're, you're clout chasing or you're, you're going after like a hot topic thing because, you know, it was like I've been thinking about this for like three years. And then all of a sudden Johnny Depp has this fucking thing that's taking over the media with him and Am- the Amber Heard trial, you know, and it's like, to be clear, this is not why I fucking picked this. I, I heard about, like, his involvement and ownership of the Viper Room and the, disappear- the disappearance of his business partner, Anthony Fox, like, maybe even longer than three years ago, three or four years ago. It's interesting because I'm also not 
following this Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial very closely. I mean, a couple little things will come up that are funny that I've heard about. Yeah. But I think, I think that's my cat. I think the story that we're talking about today has been getting a little bit more attention because of that trial. And what I mean is, uh, for, for anybody that hasn't been paying attention, back in 2018, Amber Heard wrote some op-ed saying that she was a survivor of domestic violence. And that's the key thing behind this current defamation trial. So he's suing her for $50 million. She's countersuing for $100 million. And I think the only people that are going to win from this are the insanely large legal teams on both sides that are just more than happy to keep that meeting a case that just potentially could just be like a big nothing. The jury could just be like, you guys are both fucking nuts. Uh, you, you get nothing. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. But par, uh, one of the interesting things that's come out of it is she hired this private investigator to basically try to dig up any dirt about Johnny Depp's past. And this is one of those skeletons that's kind of always been in his closet that wasn't talked about a lot, but he kind of found it, researched it. And it sounds like he kind of thought it was a little bit of a nothing burger as well. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you'd probably, you'd probably be hearing more and more about it during this insanely public smear campaign that they're, they're putting each other through, which boggles my mind. You know, if they're both claiming the, the other one ruined their career uh, but now they're both getting up for a six-week trial, saying the most horrible, awful things about each other. They recorded each other fighting, which is insane. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that's so much more damaging to both of their reputation. But who knows? You know, I, yeah. I think the funniest thing is at one point she uh, venge- took a vengeful shit in the marital bed. <laughs> And when he was on the stand and they were asking him about it, he called it a grumpy. (laughs) So can she uh, left a a grumpy in the bed? He did not. I have not heard this. Yeah. There, there have been some, there have been some pretty funny little highlights surrounded by days of just boring, nothing, you know, mud slinging back and forth. But Uh, Yeah. I mean, just from the little bit I've seen, she seems like an insane sociopath and, you know, he's coming across, he's coming across much better, but who knows? I haven't been watching a whole lot of it. All of that is a long way of saying that it's having the unintended consequence of making this story that we're talking about sort of brought back into the light. Because when I was doing some research about it, I saw that there was like more recent articles, which I thought was surprising. And then come to find out this kind of why. So all that being said... Yeah. I think she even went out and she was, she said like specifically about this case with the disappearance of his business partner, like that he was going to, she was going to bring light to that and hired a PI. And I, I, I just saw like headlines, you know, but like something like, you know, to the effect that he's got secrets and, you know, so yeah, that's definitely why, why this story too is back in the four, at least a little bit. It, it didn't seem to really catch on like, because you know, guilt by association. They look at her and they think she's crazy. So they probably think the story is crazy too. Um, and I mean, I, I'll be, you know, the first one to admit this, the the relationship between Johnny Depp and Anthony Fox is highly speculative and it's very circumstantial, but I think it's interesting to talk about. And I mean, even with it getting dredged up in the news now with the trial and everything, it's something I, I think a lot of people 
don't know about. Um, so I thought it, it yeah, would, and it has it has a lot of the hall, it has a lot of the hallmarks of an interesting disappearance. Mm-hmm. The time the timing is very uh, suspect. Yeah, and I mean, you add in a huge celebrity like Johnny Depp, a mysterious disappearance, accusations of fraud and theft and you know you kind of it makes like a nice little stew of a story that you think would be more well known but it's it's surprising that it's not so yeah i think too uh with uh amber heard i think uh tom arnold has her dead to rights what kind of a sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer Oh my God! Way to shoot! Way to shoehorn that one in there, Jesus! I, I had to. I was. I was thinking. Yeah, about I was like, like some. Bombs. I was like, "Where are you going with this?" I thought when you said Tom Arnold, I was like, "Okay, he he clearly must be thinking of somebody else." There's no way there's an actual Tom Arnold connection here. Uh, I was wrong. And wouldn't it be funny, like if, uh, like when they what's announced... that even from? That's from True Lies. Have you ever seen True uh, Lies? God, tell me you have. I have, but let's oh, see. Fuck. It would have been like ninety-seven, maybe, and I certainly haven't seen it since then. Oh man, it's so good, dude. Bill Paxton plays a fucking slime ball in it. Just for him, his part alone is is pretty great. But um, you know, I love Bill Paxton. Yeah, so. Maybe maybe you're due for a rewatch. Um, Taken too soon. Yep, he was indeed. Um, okay, so yeah. So do you want to get into the the history of the Viper Room itself, and we can kind of just see where 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 it goes from there? Yeah, totally. So okay, so this story involves obviously Johnny Depp uh, and the ownership of the Viper Room, which is kind of like a I think it's up there with like you know CBGBs and like the um, what's the other one I'm thinking like the Whiskey a Go Go as like yeah the Roxy is another big one in yeah, Hollywood I think know. yeah like so in the LA area like mainly through like the lens of the Hollywood um, like nightlife rock rock stars one of these high profile rock clubs where a lot of bands made their name and. Um, it's like a marquee, you know, place to to get noticed down there, and very high profile club. So, um, the Viper Room specifically, and I mean, we, we've broached it to a, a little bit so far, but it's gonna. We're also discussing uh, the main theme is one of Johnny Depp's business partners, Anthony Fox, who uh, disappeared. And um, he owned the Viper Room with him, and uh, he's never been found to this day. So that's kind of that's the jumping off point. And I wanted to just go into a brief, brief little bit of history about the Viper Room because the, Vi- the Viper Room, the building itself, uh, has has a lot of history to it, and it's pretty interesting. So, um, so to preface the story, we're going to jump into. Um, the background of the Viper Room and its various incarnations, uh, it provides some perspective, uh, namely to the site's humble beginnings, uh, the lurid history in L.A. and Hollywood uh, that's been peppered with, you know, tragedy and um, all kinds of things that 
Well, so I guess in the 20s, it started out as a grocery store. Then in the 40s, it was bought by the infamous uh, mob gangster Mickey Cohen, uh, and who was also frequented by his close confidant, um, Bugsy Siegel, where they turned it into the Cotton Club, um, which they were kind of shooting for like a West Coast kind of Harlem vibed uh, club uh, where there was you know, prostitution, uh, strippers. Uh, I'm sure there were some drugs that were, that were involved, uh, racketeering, that kind of thing. Uh, it went through throughout the forties and fifties, went through a lot of different names. Um, one of, one of the key ones, it was for 18 years, it was the melody room. Uh, and it was also frequented by gangsters and it was mainly a cabaret. Um, and one of my favorite incarnations is sort of from 73 to 1980, uh, <laughs> It was named Filthy McNasties. I wish I had that nasty bump, that nasty. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like that? Um, uh, Then in the 80s, it had another long stint where it ran as a jazz club called The Central. And so this is where it takes us to the beginning of our story. So, uh, And fun fact, I found out it was actually Tom Waits uh, who suggested to Johnny Depp that he buy the Viper Room um, when it was known as the Central pre-93. Um, that is so fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess I w- there there is some cool history about after Depp's ownership, so I think maybe I'll save that for later. And I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. But um, So, yeah, that takes us to the beginning like of this story. And uh, to be clear, too, so... An important point to note is Depp, Johnny Depp went into, it wasn't just him and Anthony Fox who owned this place. It was five or six other people. I tried really hard to figure out who these other people were, but I've narrowed it down with certainty to Anthony Fox, uh, another guy named Chuck E. Weiss, uh, who was kind of like a, he seemed like he bounced between from band to band, like a kind of like a stage guy, like uh, or like a house guitar player. If some someone didn't needed a guitar player to jump up, that was him, uh, and he kind of had connections with a, a bunch of celebrities and stuff. Um, Johnny Depp, of course. Uh, then a guy named Sal Jenko, who's a pretty mysterious figure, but uh, he was Johnny Depp's lifelong best friend. They met on. 21 Jump, 21 Street. Jump Street. Right. And he played Sal the Blowfish um, in the 80s. He's, from all accounts that I found, he's like a D-list actor who appeared in, his claim to fame was 21 Jump Street, and then he kind of just petered out, was in a couple other films. And I couldn't find anything else about him. And he was like mainly the manager, like I'm assuming running kind of like the day-to-day of the Viper room, like Depp was kind of doing him a solid, like, Hey, you can latch on here and do that. And, but I guess it was listed that he had some kind of partial ownership as well. And then there's two others. And from all accounts, like, I think it was, it was probably a couple LLCs that Depp and Fox like set up, you know? So, or just silent partners, you know? It was really hard to find that kind of information because this is going to tie into the end if we're like looking at motive and like who may have wanted Anthony Fox to disappear. I wanted to really kind of peel that onion back, but um, I mean, we'll get to it. But my opinion is 
Johnny Depp at least had to have known about what was going on, if not was, like, made a concerted effort to try and make him gone. But anyway, so that's kind of a brief history of the Viper Room, and then these are the key figures at play um, who all owned the Viper Room. And I, I guess the one last thing I'll touch on is, so this is around, like, late 92, 93, uh, when they came into it to kick off the grand opening Johnny Depp pulled in a bunch of favors uh, with his celebrity friends, and he got Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers to play the grand opening. They played a full set at uh, the Viper Room, and there were, it was a star-studded occasion. Um, yeah, from what I read, Anthony Fox was the sole owner when it was still the Central, which was like a jazz club. But then when Johnny Depp and his co-investors came in they actually took a 51 percent ownership stake and anthony fox still had 49 percent. but i think that was probably part of the draw to bring johnny depp and his star power in is hey i'll give you majority ownership um to kind of come in and, and make this like the cool place for the the young hollywood people to come and hang out yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if I were in that position, you know, and you're looking at the star power and like the draw of Johnny Depp and everything that comes with him, you know, sounds like a smart business decision, you know, to concede uh, the majority stake or even a little bit more to reap the benefits that seem like it would override that um, from what he from what Depp would be able to bring in there. Yeah. So pretty soon they were able to test to see how how much that star-studded ownership would be able to weather some bad publicity because uh, that ownership transition happened in early 93. And then in October of 93 is famously when River Phoenix overdosed on the front curb and died. It was actually Halloween night, October 31st of 93. Well, I think, I think it was... It was the night before. Well, it it was Halloween morning, so it was ah, it was late. Okay. So yeah, I saw it reported as Halloween quite a bit as well. But it was actually the thirtieth, uh, and they were they were partying that night, and then it crossed over gotcha. into Halloween. But what I thought was interesting was, I I just assumed it was like he shot up and overdosed, but they made it sound like it was a liquid speedball, mm-hmm. which Heroin sounds cocaine. insane but in liquid form somebody's like here try this drink and just like immediate overdose did you in your research did you see anything about like people speculating on like if someone tried to take him out on purpose by doing it through that method because it would be so clean and like seemingly untraceable like if you just spiked someone's drink like that and offered them and said hey check this out no i wasn't reading any Anything like that. Um, I think it was just, you know, an insane drug den nightclub where stuff like that was just happening with impunity. And who knows, it could have been intentional, but I think it's more likely it just got mixed up or or who knows, maybe maybe not. Maybe it was just an accidental overdose. But yeah, so that that cast the nightclub in in kind of a a different light, you know, but it kind of seemed like that even added to its notoriety in a dark mm-hmm. kind of way yeah. because it's not like they closed it's not like they closed right away it was still kind of the place to go 
Yeah, I think he Johnny Depp closed it for two weeks in honor of River Phoenix, and everyone brought, you know, they made it like a vigil outside. There was a bunch of fans bringing flowers and, you know, kind of collectibles and stuff to, to pay pay their respects uh, to River Phoenix out front. But, yeah, it definitely didn't close down, that's for sure, like for good or anything. Um, right, so then things really started to get sour over the next, you know, five to ten years it sounds like there's some accusations of some some shady accounting um not not that johnny depp and his people were necessarily doing the books but anthony fox thought for sure there was some you know some fuckery going on that some assets were being funneled to some other some other business ventures and just being taken off at the bottom line of the club and you know there it was sort of like a growing escalation of tension between the two of them right yeah, and that's uh, well. Before we get too far into Anthony Fox, too, I, there's a couple, couple things I wanted to talk about. Um, this one's kind of, kind of funny. Um, I guess Depp kind of styled himself as like a quasi like rock star. He was he was quoted as saying, you know, he wanted to um, like the vibe that he sought for the Viper Room was, quote, I don't want to have some elitist policy like a lot of clubs do, but at the same time, I want this to be a place where people with a high profile won't feel like they're on display. He also played there occasionally with his own band, which I thought you might get a kick out of this. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, He had a band called P, as in the letter P, um, (laughs) which I thought was... Yeah, I saw he's been in some some pretty garbage bands. Um... Yeah, his so his buddy Sal Janko from his Twenty One Jump Street days, um, friend Bill Carter, and the Butthole Surfers' very own lead singer Gibby Haynes uh, played the Viper Room as the band, the fucking letter P, which I thought was just God, just stroking your own or smelling your own shit. Um, but yeah, I guess he's played a lot, like guitar with people, and he's he's kind of he's done tours here and there. And I don't know. Anytime I think about Johnny Depp and like the Viper Room, like just the way he dresses himself and styles himself, like still like Jack the Sp- uh, Jack Sparrow, I always think of like Godsmack and that fucking <laughs> that voodoo song. Like that's yeah. the first thing I think of when I think of like the Viper Room and Johnny Depp fucking like voodoo like like blaring in my head um yeah (laughs) uh, because it's weird it's like after i feel like at a certain point he like he tried to like morph into like this like i don't know i think he got influenced pretty heavily by like Hunter S. Thompson. I know he kind of went off the deep end when he researched Fear and Loathing. Like, he stayed with Hunter S. Thompson. There's some funny video clips of, like, Hunter S. Thompson while Johnny Depp's there researching the role. And Hunter S. Thompson's neighbor starts fucking shooting at him. And Oh, uh, yeah. Have you seen that clip? I and have, he starts, yeah. He starts shooting back at him, and he's like, oh, you goddamn son of a bitch. Boom! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're sitting, like, just doing drugs, like, on his patio. Um... So, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, because I, I like to think of Depp in a good light with, like, you know, uh, great, Gilbert. Gilbert! That's, like, that that's one of my favorite movies is Gilbert Grape. And, like, beyond that, then he Never started, cared. like, 
styling himself into this like vagabond like Jack Sparrow like he was like priming himself to become that you know like in the late 90s and going into that film but whatever so I've never seen I've never seen Gilbert Grape oh man dude it's so good so good maybe one day I don't know if that's a deep enough cut to ever cover it but you should just watch it one day it's it's just a that's just a good film um (laughs) oh yeah another fun little factoid too is uh you know you remember uh the lead singer of the counting crows adam duritz sure he actually in like 94 from like nine late 93 to like middle of 94 he had just gotten famous with like uh mr jones and yeah off. yeah banger uh but like he like kind of shunned the spotlight and it like freaked him out so he went to work as a bartender for like eight months at um the viper room because uh, i guess he knew depp and was like hey i want to get out of the, the spotlight so let me work at this place where there's tons of celebrities but anyway uh yeah he tended bar there for like eight months and he actually met jennifer aniston there and they dated for a little bit which is a fun little tidbit that i i found over the course of this research but i was like that's fucking weird man like you just like got freaked out from all the spotlight and you want to just go be a bartender for eight months to find yourself like inverse eat pray love um yeah i just thought that was kind of weird but um boy that's another just fun fact yeah. The whole time, the whole time you were telling me that story, I was just thinking, uh, I don't take no, li- I don't take lip from no bartenders neither. <laughs> you see Doc Halliday, you tell him I'll send the hell on a shutter. Yeah. Skin it. Skin that Skin smoke, that smoke rack. <laughs> God, I remember when I grew up and got older, and I was like, holy fuck, that the fat guy from the beginning is goddamn billy bob yeah happen to notice you're in my chair <laughs> you're just gonna sit there and bleed uh man that's such a good movie too great another great val kilmer follow-up from thunderheart i think he made that right after thunderheart as well how far it's definitely uh definitely in, in the prime of his career that's for sure yeah uh, okay so, so yeah, I think so, now we can we can pivot squarely on uh, the high strangeness here involved with uh, Anthony Fox uh, disappearing. Do you want to yeah. jump in? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, like we said, took over ownership in early '93. River Phoenix famously overdosed late '93. Sounds like these guys were just fighting all the time for six, the better part of six years, because. In 1999, Fox finally filed a lot, like a formal lawsuit, to demand his his share of the money from Depp and the other associates. And I, I assume he had hired some kind of forensic accountant or something to sort of look through the books and, and was able to definitively say, because you know, if you just have suspicion, like money seems to be going somewhere, that's really not going to get you anywhere. So there had to have been something because I've so I've seen I've seen different reports about what became of this uh, lawsuit, but without getting too ahead of ourselves. So the lawsuit, like most, 
takes forever, and the wheels of justice turn incredibly slowly. So it sounds like they weren't going to have... Fox wasn't going to testify until the 20th of December 2001, and coincidentally, the day before on the 19th, he went missing along with his truck and a 38 caliber revolver, which in and of itself is an awfully strange coincidence. Uh, and then they ended up, so this was down in LA. I, I want to say like Ventura County, wherever the yeah, Ventura County. So that's like North LA. Yeah. It's like Northwest. Yeah. It's like Northwest as the crow flies. It's like 20, 30 minutes ish outside of okay. like Holly, like downtown, like Hollywood. Yeah. More like Holly weird. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, no sign of him, but then they find his truck two weeks later in Santa Clara, California, which is, to those of you who aren't familiar with the, the local area, is about 300 miles north, near the Bay Area. Um, it was strange that there was still several thousand dollars in his bank account that wasn't fully cleaned out, because as we'll get into later, there's speculation on, you know, did he, was he murdered? Did he try to go off the grid? Did he kill himself? So him leaving money in his bank account is an interesting fact when trying to figure out what the most likely outcome was, right? So if he just decided to go off the grid, it seems strange that he would leave money in his account. But if he was murdered or killed himself, that seems plausible that Chase, he would leave some money. what the fuck account. were you thinking about here? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to explain what that's from or just leave, leave people uh, confused forever? Yeah, C- confused forever. Okay. Well, inside maybe, baseball. Maybe. Yeah, or inside football. One, um, one, one day. Chase, yeah. don't do that. <laughs> God, I love that guy. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just derailed you. I, I've been, those fucking bumps have been burning a goddamn hole in my pocket. Yeah. Well, because, God, they've got to be like, they were so ten years fucking, old now. They were so fucking hard to find. It was. I spent more. <laughs> I spent more fucking time than I really want to admit finding those gems and putting them into audio format. <laughs> well, you want to drop another one while we're at it? You have any moves? I'd like to see you incorporate them. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. man! All right, I got it out of my system. All right, so you're standing uh, straight up and down like a wedding. Dick. That audio quality is so bad, but it's it's worth it. <laughs> it is. All right, I'm really done. I'm done for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so even though Anthony Fox disappeared and obviously never testified at the trial, uh, it it appears that the court case continued in spite of his absence. And then another two years goes by. And, and this is where I started to see a little bit of conflicting information. Maybe it's just because I, I obviously I'm not a lawyer, but I, I think a lot of the people that cover this stuff also are not lawyers. So they, they kind of confuse and conflate terms, which are contradictory to each other. Because mm-hmm. uh, in one thing I saw, they, they thought Anthony Fox's case wasn't very strong. Other people said that the judge ruled in his favor. Another thing said that the judge just scolded Johnny Depp and another one that said it was a preliminary ruling, you know, so there's all these different slightly 
similar but different accounts of what actually happened as a result of the trial. But I, I found a quote that basically said Depp breached his fiduciary duties. The facts established persistent and per- pervasive fraud and mismanagement and abuse of authority. Okay. So that in and of itself, regardless of what the technical legal outcome was, proves that, yeah, there was some shady shit going on. Fox knew about it. And it was clear enough to this judge to issue that, even if it's not a ruling, even if that was just like a a statement, you know, then that's enough. Uh, And so then I saw other uh, conflicting pieces of information that said, as a as a judgment in that case that Depp was compelled to transfer his ownership to Anthony Fox's daughter. A different one said that it was just a settlement or he sold it or gave it. I literally saw all four of those mm-hmm. reported separately. So I don't know what the truth is, but as a, as a result of that trial, his ownership stake was given, transferred, sold, bequeathed, whatever, to Anthony Fox's daughter. So at that point, you know, he's out, which is like a, a little bit of a foreshadow. If you're if you're going to try to murder somebody to avoid them testifying in trial, it would be really helpful if the trial just didn't go ahead and continue on without them there. Mm-hmm. Seems like not the, not the smartest move. But then again, a lot of criminals are dumb. They might not know that if they take this guy out, that it's still going to keep going. It's not like he's the only eyewitness in a murder trial. And if he's gone, you are a coward, son of a bitch. You don't have his testimony and now your case is nothing. Right. Yeah. You think yeah, that's kind of like movie logic, you know, like, I'll oh, just take this guy out, you know, and everything else just vanishes. It just, it goes away in a puff of smoke, you know, not right. So yeah. I, and the same thing, like it, when I first heard about this, I was like, oh man, this is intriguing. And I didn't hear any other sides about it. But once I started digging into it, it's not as clear of a cut of a case. Like, yeah, he was supposed to, you know, testify. It looked like he had Johnny Depp dead to rights and he was taken out. Like, ooh, I, I want to believe in like the supernatural and like I, I want to believe in that kind of stuff. But the more I broke it down too, I was like, yeah, there is a reasonable doubt going on here, like that it wasn't you know Depp acting alone. And far from that. I mean, that that's just kind of fun to speculate on. But the more I dug into it, you know, there's some stuff that we'll get into here with uh, Anthony Fox's background that doesn't look good for him. Kind of paints him like as a little bit of a charlatan, maybe. And then. It, it does carry a lot of weight with that judge said. I mean, that's coming from a judge saying that clearly what from what he saw initially that Depp had breached his fiduciary duties and abused his authority and management and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, an interesting point was after Depp had like liquidated his shares or whatever and he settled or bequeathed, you know, his ownership stake and all the monies involved with that to Amanda Fox, Anthony Fox's daughter. I guess to this day, she's come out and said she has nothing but love for uh, for Johnny Depp and, you know, like, uh, holds no ill will and doesn't think that he's involved. So I was like, huh. Because that was a nugget that I hadn't heard. Like, when I heard all this, you know, kind of drama with this, I figured, you know, the daughter would be right there kind of championing, like being one of the ones saying, yeah, like he had to have been involved or knew something about taking out my dad when it's actually the opposite of that, which I thought was pretty intriguing too. Cause you think 
you would think that she if if there was something to that she would be you know one of the the main cheerleaders and wanting to pursue that but maybe she knew what another side maybe she knew what she was up against and she was getting out clean with the sale of the viper room and and what johnny depp gave to her uh as a result of that lawsuit and just don't want to stir anything up and like okay i'm gonna just leave this here there's a lot of directions that could go too but well, I don't yeah. know if you saw that around the around the time of the disappearance, not that Johnny Depp needed to physically be there to kill this guy or have him kidnapped or whatever, but it sounds like around that time, he was spending most of his time living over in France. Look, I'm giving a cigarette to a baby. Suck on the cigarette, my darling. Life is shit. Get to know this. With his then, I don't know if it was his wife or girlfriend or whatever, the, the mother of his kids. So That's a parodies. Yeah, I mean, him physically not being in the country doesn't prove anything necessarily, but it does lend itself to, like, the possibility that, you know, he's just not there, so. Right. Who knows? Yeah, but. I think the, the strangest thing, though, is just, like, the on its face, like, the disappearance of this guy, like, and the proximity to him des- testifying. I mean, like, that's, like, you know, red flag, and that's bait, you know, to, like, jump on this and be intrigued right you know like someone's supposed to testify the next day they go up they they end up missing and they're still missing to this day it's like that's fucking wild you know and it happens to be involved with the ownership of this marquee like rock club establishment that's got all kinds of other celebrities tied to it and then obviously mainly johnny depp also owned it was business partners with this guy it's like that's pretty goddamn intriguing and two i think people in cal people that aren't from california i i knew you threw in that they found him 300 miles away but yeah you hear like santa clara and you know you probably think that that's maybe close by but yeah that's that's all the way up near san francisco like san jose area like so for him to turn up a week later i think week and a half later with a fucking gun in his glove box didn't take any of his money and his trucks just dumped 300 miles away from where he was in Ventura. It's like, that screams like something fucked up happened, you know? Like, I didn't see any, like, history of, like, mental illness or, like, instability on the part of Anthony Fox. Like, it looked like he should have been, like, dug in tight as a tick on this this trial and this lawsuit because he was coming after what he thought was rightly his and that was taken. So, well, any, anything beyond that, you know, is just, it's all speculation. It's like, did did Johnny Depp have something to do with it, or didn't he? And then it's like pick your well, you adventure. Know, it, there's, a, there's a few interesting things. One, if you're going to testify in a trial that there's conflicted reports of how likely you are to win, mm-hmm. one extremely negative thing that comes out of that is you get to be cross-examined. So... If you have kind of a shady past, which it sounds like this guy has a little bit of a shady past with some mm-hmm. other business dealings and things like that, uh, you might not want to get up on the stand. And so, yeah, you're suing him, hoping to get your money back, but it might not be worth Gosh, down from 10. getting up there and getting shredded on cross-examination and it bringing up a lot more damning information about you, more damning than positive yeah, I guess so, that's, one, that's one angle I didn't really entertain, but it could it could make sense, you know, to like a lesser degree of, you know, like people saying like, you know, Michael Jackson and, you know, the King, you know, Elvis or Hitler, you know, they all did something and, 
and then they went into hiding and they're actually still alive or you know they they went off to do a double life i mean that's highly possible and maybe he just you know and maybe that's why the daughter anthony fox's daughter too just played it off like yeah everything's great and you know i i love johnny depp and thank you for bringing us closure and yada 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 and then she just goes up and could funnel it back to her dad i mean that's well, and, taking, and here's that's that, taking here. some some leaps of logic, but I mean it's definitely a possibility. Well, so here here are a couple other things to consider. Uh, it it didn't say that all of his money was left behind. It just said that his accounts had several thousand dollars left in it. Which, you know, who knows if one of one of the theories is that he just faked his own disappearance or you know executed his own disappearance. If that's the case, he probably knew that any money that's left over for his estate is going to go to his kid, right? Because if, if he's unmarried. So it's not like, that's weird. Why did he disappear and not take all his money? Well, maybe that's his clever way of leaving it to his daughter without like pulling it out and giving it to her the day before he goes missing. Because then it looks like, yeah. oh, this is, this is willful. Uh, and also... And Santa it was Clara a relative. It was a relatively low amount of money. I mean, we said thousands, it is. But it wasn't. It wasn't like a fuck ton or anything. So he could also right. be okay with like if that just went away or dissolved or something, he'd be okay with that too. Well, and also Santa Clara, for those who don't know, is where Great America is. So maybe he just wanted to go up and have fun at it's like a Six Flags type theme park. <laughs> oh, God. But also <laughs> where they found his truck was like a couple miles from San Jose International Airport, which is a pretty pretty busy airport, but it's not like a LAX or SFO or, you know, no. LaGuardia. But, but it's, it's still, still big, busy. It's, yeah, it's still a big dog. Like you can get you can get out of the country from there. Yeah, it's international. But what's interesting is this was this was right after nine eleven. I think this was like December. I, I can't remember if I Yeah. Yeah it was this December nineteenth, December twentieth. Yeah, 2001. So um, if if this was like pre 9-11, I could see it being a little more likely that he'd be able to kind of slip through the cracks mm-hmm. and, you know, have somebody buy a ticket under a different name or whatever, you know, find a way out, like buy it under the name Tony Fox instead of Anthony and just kind of slip out. Because I, I have to imagine if if people who are looking into this, you know, it's like you could check those flight manifests from that day or the next day or whatever, yeah. see if he was on a flight. Um, but since it's so close to nine 11, they had that shit locked down. So, I mean, unless they didn't ever look for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe too. I mean, that's only what two months after nine 11, maybe there's some time in between like that gray area that he could have slipped through the cracks, you know, while they're trying to like implement all kinds of changes because to the way people fly. Um, I don't know. Just it's a it's a possibility. It it just seems strange. You know, they happen to find his truck like a mile or two from a pretty major. It's major enough to get you almost anywhere you need to go, but not so major where it's like I said, like an LAX or an SFO or like Atlanta. You know, like the biggest, the biggest airports in the country. But yeah, San Jose is a is a pretty, pretty big airport. Um, yeah, that's wild. I didn't I didn't pick up on that. I didn't realize he was that close of proximity to the airport there. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, so I don't know if you want to get into some of the 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 other little strange pieces of circumstantial evidence that 
might point you in one one direction or another. Yeah, do you have some more like like against step or cuz I I have a a pretty beefy list of stuff that I found out that go against Anthony Fox's character that kind of made me kind of ride the fence and go back and forth a little bit. Uh, I have pretty much nothing that implicates Depp at all. Every, pretty much everything I have that seemed relevant was pointing more towards a voluntary disappearance or possibly suicide. So we can, we can go into that however you like. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, that's true. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't have anything else either that barring, you know, just highly speculative or circumstantial kind of stuff uh, against Depp. Um, I mean, if you just look at it on its face, it looks it looks a little fishy, you know. Um, but once you start digging into this, so yeah, like the first thing that I have is, I guess we can just do popcorn style if you want. We can just go back and forth. But this one sure. I, I thought was pretty interesting. So on or around the day Anthony Fox disappeared, he sent a letter to his mother and also preface, I guess he was super close with his mother. It seemed like a only child kind of situation, but I could be completely wrong, but he was very close with his mother. He seemed kind of like a mama's boy uh, from what uh, that's what I was able to infer a little bit, but so he sent a letter to his mother the day before he disappeared. um, The contents of which she reviewed, refused to divulge, to his brother Charles. Okay, so he's not an only child. Um, yeah, he, he definitely is, had one brother. Okay. Yeah, and it's suspected at least, at that least. The, and it's suspected that that letter contained vital information that the mother has never disclosed or PIs have never been able to get out of her. So that's kind of that seems fishy, like going against him trying to do something shady. Well, and and did you read about her will when she died? I don't know if I did. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, the naming him as a beneficiary and all that? Yeah, so she had a will. I don't know when she died, but it sounds like the the latest draft of her will was written in June of 2003, so, you know, a year and a half later. His disappearance is acknowledged in the will in some way, and he was left, you know, a, you can pick a piece of furniture of your choice and a half share of the estate, which in, in those days, I guess, would have been like 350,000 pounds, but... The thing I thought was most interesting, it says, should he not appear within two years of her death, the mom, his share would be held in a trust for his daughter. So, oh, she died in 2004. And, you know, we don't know if those wishes were executed the way they were supposed to. I mean, just the fact that she acknowledges the disappearance and says, you can have, you know, the furniture and and a piece of the estate. You basically have two years after I die to come pick it up. I mean, that that's pretty convincing to me anyway whatever whatever he wrote to her in that letter was basically like hey i've got i've got to go like yeah my my business my business is falling apart i can't i can't do this trial because it's gonna it's gonna uncover more things than i would like and i basically just have to disappear and go off the grid because if he wrote her a suicide note she would never say okay well you have two years after i die to come get your shit or if if you or if he wrote a letter that was like I'm in, I'm in real bad trouble. There's people after me, you know, I mean, well, he could have done that. It could have been, I have to go on the run because these people are coming after me because I know things or I've, I've dealings with whoever. So I have to just disappear. Mm -hmm. But I mean, either way, that still lends itself to a voluntary disappearance, not like an abduction, murder or suicide. Right. 
yeah, he could have got spooked by something he saw in the Viper Room or, like, you know, like, just information that he came to know while being involved in that world, too. So, yeah, it, may, it could have been, you know, an indirect, you know, I need to, it came from him, I need to make this disappearance happen kind of thing, so... Yeah, and I saw I saw a few reports of some of his previous business dealings, you know, some really shady stuff. And it, and it sounds like his mom helped him out quite a bit in making mm-hmm. some of these problems go away by, you know, like he had a former bankruptcy case that she apparently helped him create like some fraudulent, like a list of fictitious debtors mm-hmm. through in a previous bankruptcy filing to just kind of help him wiggle his way out of it. So. I'm sure he felt like he could trust his mom with whatever damning information. You know, he could tell her the truth. He wouldn't be like sugarcoating it because she knows his past and he knows her past and helping him uh, fabricate some of this stuff. So that's just another indicator of what, what I think is pro- most likely most likely what happened. Yeah, I, I saw that one too, that his mom helped him perpetuate a fraud in the former bankruptcy case another one the two that kind of goes back to his family history that i I thought was pretty interesting too was um so anthony fox he was a british citizen and he held jointly he was a u.s and uk citizen he held a uk passport and his mom they came from a, a wealthy historically wealthy british family that even had some royal ties his grandfather, his grandfather was a renowned botanist who advised the British royal family on tree planting in palace grounds and bequeathed acres of pristine woodland to the UK National Trust. His mother owned an apartment in Kensington, one of the most exclusive areas in London, which was stuffed full of rare and expensive antiques and artworks. So yeah, he's kind of, it seems like, the, like his background and, you know, he he had he had some kind of a cushion there, and he had you know a partner in crime, uh, in his mom that he could lean on. So, and like the failed businesses and things, and kind of some reports of some shadiness on his part. Definitely, when I started seeing that, it definitely kind of swung the door the other way. On like, yeah, maybe. Well, I don't I don't know if you also saw that some of his family members basically said like yeah he was a pretty eccentric dude who has who has disappeared in the past yeah several times yeah that one was um, like, oh man <laughs> and, and one of the quotes was like yeah he always had an interest in living off the grid like okay yeah i mean that that sort of fits with this scenario i am the last one oh, what the fuck do you think you're doing <laughs> yeah <Thanks. laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, I don't. I don't know how much you read or are aware of some of the things uh, related to his ex-wife. Do you see some of that? I saw some of that. Like uh, his his ex-wife reported seeing him in uh, Santa Barbara uh, about six months after he had vanished. Not Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, so, I've been there. Uh, it, yeah. So I one thing I saw. Like, yeah. it, it's. It's pretty non-consequential, but little things like this just drive me nuts. Because one thing, one thing said Santa Barbara, which is even further northwest of LA than Ventura, right? Right. But uh, a different report I was reading said that she saw him in Montclair, California, which is like east, east, northeast LA, which getting into like the Inland Empire area. Yeah, I, I guess I'm. I'm not super up to like LA geography, but it seemed 
it seemed like the type of place where if you were trying to disappear, stay sort of close to home, you wouldn't necessarily expect to run into family there, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, Santa Barbara's, I'm not sure if it's further away, but it's definitely more of a, and I imagine more people would be going there than they would to Montclair. So yeah. So six months after he disappeared, his ex-wife was in a Barnes and Noble in Montclair, Santa Barbara, who, who the fuck knows. And she says that she saw him sitting in a chair reading a book. And, and this information actually came out later through the private investigator. I don't know if this was known uh, at the time because the, the ex-wife said she actually took this information at the time to the Ventura Police Department. And they're like, yeah, cool. Thank you so much for telling us that. Uh, there's the door. Yeah. Bye. And she, tr- she tried telling him that he had, he had done this kind of thing before. And they were like, wow, that's really interesting. Thank you. There's the door again. Yeah. Go fuck. And so... Chase, don't do that. Yeah, so she said that when the man that she thought was her ex-husband saw her, you know, it'd be one thing if he just, like, looked at her and just looked back down and didn't acknowledge her, right? Because Mm -hmm. then maybe it's like, oh, it's possibly just another dude. But uh, this guy had, like, a a terrified look on his face, jumped up, ran out the door. (laughs) Uh, She, she, yeah, which is not something a, a totally innocent person would do. So yeah, he ran, got into a car, drove away, and she she had the wherewithal to chase after him and got the license plate, which oh, you wow. know she then reported to yeah she reported that to the police. And as, the only thing I could tell that they told her was that the car was registered to a woman. So side piece. That's an unusual fact, and she also told the. Uh, private investigator that in the past when because this isn't his first foray into financial downfall he needs some milk she said that in the past like when he would hit other financial problems he told her he was gonna leave the states altogether go back to the uk and stage his own abduction basically Mm -hmm. so you know he cut off contact with her trashed his apartment disappeared and then a few weeks later she she traced him to a woman's house and he so the ex-wife thinks like, okay, well, this is his MO. This is what he's done before. This is literally what he said he was going to do if the shit ever hit the fan. So uh, it seems more likely than not, then that's what he did. But what happened in between his disappearance and the, the two years after his, his mom died, nobody knows, right? So he could have he could have just gone fully off the grid and just decided it's not worth me coming out of hiding. Maybe he didn't even know about the will um, or maybe he just died in the meantime, not sure if yeah. we'll ever know. Yeah, it seems like that. this is one of those ones that's just going to kind of go to the grave, you know. We'll never get any kind of clarity on. But, yeah, it's interesting that, like, digging into it more, seeing all of all of the stuff that came out against him that's, like, doesn't doesn't paint a good picture of, like, his intent. And, and you know, t- definitely, to me, it took a lot of heat off of Johnny Depp, you know, for sure. There's one other, there's one last tidbit. I don't know if you saw it either, but I guess there was a, a telephone call. Uh, there was, there was an answering machine. Uh, yeah. Or there was a telephone call placed from Fox's home left on an answering machine. It's not clear whose answering machine it was. Maybe it was Fox's, but anyway, it said, which could have held important clues. Uh, it was never impounded as evidence during his like, them taking the report of his disappearance and it's never been located. So I don't even know how the fuck that piece of information came out, but um, yeah, that's just another, yeah. One of those pieces that, that kind of like, Oh, scratch your head. 
I saw, yeah, I saw that too. And from what I understood, it was his answering machine, which okay. I don't know how, I don't know how important or unimportant that would be, but it does seem strange. It, it seems strange that it would be missing with no real explanation, you know? So yeah, it reminded there me was of, nothing to, of the goons yeah, there's when n- like the guy's telling, he's like, if that were true, how did the fucking story come out? You know, like, how would you even know that? Yeah. But, yeah. It's interesting. Like, how did they know it was missing? Maybe, maybe a witness said that they, it, they could have just been totally innocent. Somebody mentioned, Oh yeah, I left him a voicemail the day before and you know, that was it. And then, they just happened to not find it or yeah, I don't know, but it could be one of those things that has zero impact or it could be, you know, could be uh, important in some way. I think too. I mean, I think that's, a, that's all I have for, you know, the, the yeah. background of the case and, you know, the for and against uh, Johnny Depp doing it, not doing it, having any, any kind of involvement with it. So I, I think the the very last thing I wanted to bounce back to that I, I just thought was interesting about like the history of the Viper Room itself as a location and a historical Hollywood landmark was, um, so I guess after the dust had settled on the Depp lawsuit and he had, you know, transferred his ownership and stake and all that to Anthony Fox's daughter, Amanda Fox. So post 2004 um, to the present, um, it's still called the Viper Room, uh, but it was also uh, so like mid aughts to like late late aughts. Um, it was the base of an underground poker ring, allegedly founded by actor Toby Maguire, who's you know I think it's well known that he was he's yeah. involved in like high stakes illegal poker, um, and that ring was also said to have included other high-profile Hollywood celebs and elites such as Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, uh, Macaulay, yep. Macaulay Culkin, Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, Nelly, um, the Olsen twins, and famous poker player Phil Ivey. Um, so that, oh, man. I bet... I bet Phil Ivey just loved cleaning house on these idiot celebrities. <laughs> right, just mopping them. Um, so that same poker ring is what inspired, I'm sure a lot of people have seen or heard about um, Molly Bloom, uh, yeah. that, who later they made it into a film uh, in 2017 called Molly's Game, starring Jessica Chastain. Um, about, you know, former U.S. Olympic hopeful Molly Bloom who hosted the poker game between 2007-2008 under the auspices of her event and catering company, Molly Bloom, Inc., um, with hands reportedly going as high as $4 million. Um, yeah, I thought that was just kind of interesting, like that, you know, all the, the sordid past with, like, mobsters and gangsters and, you know, drug running, racketeering, you know, the stuff with the Viper Room. Uh, and when Johnny Depp went into it, too, it was it was quoted as being, like, a well-known, you know, drug hangout. Like, that's where you go to get the good shit kind of stuff. And yeah. it seemed like that was, that was kind of, it was fostered there. I mean, and, too, I don't think River Phoenix was the only person to OD there. I think there was a guy from NXS, um think of that song what are they famous for the uh uh i've got to let you know you know that song what i think one of those dudes 
either the lead singer. I think he OD'd I'm, in the bathroom there. I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure the lead singer of NXS died due to autoerotic asphyxiation. That's right. Okay, I think it was a bass player or a guitar player. I I didn't plan well enough for that. Yeah, the, the, that name. the music the music world weeps that we don't have NXS anymore. Yeah, the bass player from NXS. Um, yeah, and I think there was one other thing that happened there, like either a near OD or OD, but... Um, yeah anyway just like yeah the whole history of the place is is uh it's been turbulent for the last 60 80 years that it's that it's been going yeah and there's there's some other stuff too about it being like possibly haunted and we're not gonna go down that rabbit hole but i guess they did like a um one of those ghost adventures or whatever you know like those shows where they go in with the camera like found footage style and and they tried to talk to spirits and shit because they think that anthony one one piece of speculation is they think that anthony fox was murdered and buried in the basement of Mm -hmm. the uh viper room so they did a ghost adventures i think is the show uh where they go in there and they tried to contact spirits and use a a ouija board and all that shit but nothing ever yeah and and no the only thing i feel like all those episodes are the same they're doing creepy shit and that's like did you hear that it's like, no, I didn't hear anything. It was a door creaking. <laughs> it makes me think of that Brian Regan when he's talking about when he's going out there like scientists, like listening to whales and shit. And it's all, and he's like, he's lonely. And then he turns back <laughs> and it's just a door to the boat swinging back and forth. <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah, all that's hogwash. But, um, yeah, there's some people that think it's cursed and haunted, and there's another. I know that's that's not something foreign to like L.A. landmarks because they have so much history in the '40s and '50s of like mobsters and like you know I'm sure shit tons of people got murdered. There's the Black Dahlia thing that happened, and um, I guess the Comedy Store uh, is famously haunted too. There's been a lot of people talk about they, they've seen like comics and stuff saying they've heard and seen weird shit there too so the viper room it kind of it just adds to that uh, that vibe that that historical la nightlife context of it being weird weird shit going on but yeah and it's so it's been around just about a hundred years now and it, it sounds like there's been if not organized crime, like a criminal underworld element associated with it probably that entire time. So it's no wonder that there's controversy or mystery surrounding it, you know? Right. And then I have one last tidbit of, uh, <laughs> of trivia that I thought you would, you would get a kick out of. So when I, when I talked about Johnny Depp being a, uh, styling himself as like a guitar player and a, a rock star kind of guy, I guess he played guitar on the soundtrack of Chocolat. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. When I read that, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to fucking lay that. What? that I wonder what, card like, what type of guitar was he playing? Like, I can't even imagine what the soundtrack of that movie is like. It's got to be some, like, classical yeah, shit. I, I think you're right. Something... <laughs> Something do you remember those? Do you remember those old infomercials for the Esteban guitars? Oh yeah, <laughs> the long. He's, he's got, got like, those creepy long ass fingernails. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I imagined him playing the guitar like. 
Dude, that's what he's gonna look like when he's older. Just like a prune with like a Zorro hat and long ass fucking witch fingers. And then maybe he'll be the one taking a grumpy in the bed. <laughs> he needs some milk! Dude, I need, I'm, I have to start incorporating that into my daily lexicon. A grumpy. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> that's like going beyond yeah. goblin mode. Yeah. Grumpy. <laughs> grumpkins um all right well i think uh that's it for old j depp and and the viper room uh nothing was solved but it was fun to talk about and um yeah it just like with anything else you hear about something sensationalized or it's got like this this air around it it's like once i actually dug into it it's like yeah this is kind not pedestrian but it, it didn't live up to, like, what I was thinking and what, like, really started making my toes curl about it. So I guess if, if anybody listens to this and has any tidbits they want to share or just bounce anything off of us, um, you could send us an email uh, to our account, wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. Uh, hit us up on Instagram, waxingtheporpoise, and or Twitter, waxingtheporp. Um, we'd really appreciate too, if you guys are actually enjoying the show, I don't want anyone to just throw us five stars or give us a review, but if you're actually listening and you're digging the show, uh, iTunes reviews, Spotify reviews, um, really help out getting us discovered and in more people's ear holes. So if you would, if you would do that, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, and a banana cognac, bitch. So... I guess you have any final thoughts or anything else you want to you have any moves i'd like to see you incorporate them talk about before we put this bitch to bed i think we uh i think we pretty much covered it all right okay so then uh let's go into our randomizer here see what we're going to be talking about next week um all right looks like we're swinging back the other way to another movie and let's see what we're going to be talking about. Pay him. Pay that man his money. We are going to be discussing, ooh, another Ridley Scott film uh, and starring Michael Douglas. This is one of my favorite films of all time. Can you guess what it is, Steve? Um, Late 80s. Chocolat. No. Chocolat. We're going to be watching Black Rain. Hell yeah! So I'm. Su- <laughs> I'm. You super- need to. You need to chill on that <laughs> soundboard. On the bumpage, I'm making up chill. for this time. Chill. <laughs> Ooh, that's another dude. I should get uh, Arnold from Eraser. Your luggage. Yeah. Um, You've just been erased. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, yeah, um, I should know this. I think it's 1987 Black Rain is from. 89, God damn it. Yeah, I have a poster of this in my home office behind me that um, gets a lot of love. Um, this is... this what is that, man? A, what do you mean by that? A great film. <laughs> Any, like, whenever I'm in meetings or whatever, they're like, oh, Black Rain. Like, one of, one of our God. co-workers that you know, every single time he makes me read the um the tagline 
on the front of uh, the poster. And it's like, what is it? An American cop in Japan, their country, their laws, their game, his rules. Every time makes me read that. But um, yeah, this is a, another Ridley Scott film. Michael Douglas is fucking awesome in it. Who else is it? Andy Garcia, too. Yeah, if you're an Andy Garcia fan, you'll like it just off of that alone. But yeah, this is this is another great or greatest film. Uh, we'll find out next week. So uh, yeah, thanks. it looks it looks pretty corny, but I'll keep an open mind. It's dope. I I don't know how you're <laughs> gonna feel about it actually after watching Blade Runner, but put that aside. Just Michael Douglas is badass. Andy Garcia is in it, and it's it's you know, a great I love film. Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah, so yeah, that's another plus in its direction. So yeah, he plays just a straight up badass in this film. So. Uh, yeah, I th- yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, thanks for joining us, and take care. Thanks. Fucking filthy, dirty, fucking cockfucker. fucker. <laughs>